welcome back to the European Show. This is episode 14 now, and we're sadly approaching the break before the World Cup. But there is obviously still football, and that is what we will be looking back on, as well as the Champions League draw. And to join me in doing so, as always, is Nick. So, welcome back, Nick. Thank you very much, Jack. How are you doing? I am doing well. So, the first place we start is Sevilla. The first place we start is La Liga, with Sevilla and Real Betis, is obviously they played each other. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyone who love who who's been listening to the podcast for a while knows that I do love myself a, a Sevillan derby. It's called the Great Derby in, in Spain, the Gran Derby, for good reason. It always delivers. It's one of the fiercest rivalries in the country, and it, we always see good football. Even even if both teams are in bad form prior, they just step it up. And of course, Sevilla has been horrendous in the previous few games so by any logical sense Betis who are currently in the top four in La Liga would have completely smashed them and and ran away with it that's not how the great derby works uh, we had to see we had to see chaos we had to see fun we had to see straight up insanity and well the, the game got off to a good start with a with a red card uh, just right in right in the first half of the game uh, it was it was it had been end football throughout and uh, and a bad tackle from Gonzalo Montiel got him sent off right away. Uh, and but of course that's not the only thing that was going to happen in the in the first half. Um, in in order to replace the gap in defense left by by Montiel being sent off, Jesus Navas gets subbed on in the 43rd minute, and immediately after he scores an own goal because because why not? It's it's the Sevilla derby. It, it it has to happen. But um. But this is in the first half alone. This is still going on. We haven't even reached half time, and a fight breaks out, um, which gets William Carvalho booked and Nabil Fakir just straight up sent off. So Sevilla are up by a goal, but they lost their uh, being up by a man advantage going into half time. But you would hope that they play more cautious, that they're careful. They're up. They're up by one. Their their rivals are not playing particularly much better than them. And in the 49th minute, <laughs> Borja Iglesias gets himself sent off. Uh, so then. So then the two teams pr- proceed to play 40 minutes, uh, 9 versus 10. It, is, it was extremely entertaining to watch in large part because uh, there's just nobody on the pitch. You could see holes everywhere. It was actually very strange. It looked like some kind of training match where, where there were just gaps everywhere. I'm amazed no goals were scored because it was, it was actually very back and forth. Um, Sevilla did end up taking control of the game towards the last half hour understandably enough because they were playing against nine men but um yeah we saw some more uh scuffles throughout the throughout the pitch uh lamella papu gomez and gudelia got uh, all booked within the space of uh five minutes because that's just how it has to be uh gudelia did proceed to sorry gudelge did score did, did proceed to to score in the 80th minute a really really nice volley from outside the box uh once again we're no strangers to well, uh, we're no strangers to very nice goals in in this derby. Uh, in the remaining ten minutes of the game, we saw four more red cards uh, be dished out. We saw some extremely good long shot attempts from Sevilla, a few of which uh, should have gone in, but uh, but Claudio Bravo had a really good closing to the game and really helped Sevilla scrap off a point. Uh, this result obviously slightly benefits. Um, Sevilla because now they're no longer in the relegation zone they're drawn on points uh, in 18th well in 17th spot but uh, but Betis 
pass up an opportunity to go into third spot. I, I would say they wasted an opportunity, but uh, but honestly, it's, it's a Sevilla derby. Like, there's not much you can do about it. That's just the way things are. It's, it's the way things have to be played. However, speaking of wasting opportunities, we do have to talk about Atletico Madrid. I, I don't even know what to say. It's just such a disappointing side to watch, man. They're just cr- uncreative, out of ideas. They played against Espanyol this week, and um, Espanyol got themselves a man sent off because of a last-man tackle in the 30th minute. So Atleti were against 10 men, against one of the worst teams in the, in the league. They're literally 16th, right? So e- easily, easily. And, and they would have fallen even lower. Um, but yeah, they, they are in the bottom half of the table against 10 men. They're doing horribly. And they and Aleti don't manage to create any goals. They, they can get the ball up the pitch fine. They can take some bad shots at goal just fine. But they don't have strikers other than Morata who doesn't really count. They don't have anyone who seriously creates real danger. And and somehow they're stupid enough to concede a goal on the counter uh, in the 60th minute from Sergi Darder. From Sergi Darder. Which is just sad. It is just straight up sad. You are against 10 men. One of the worst teams in the league, and you just do, and and you're one nil down in the 60th minute. It's ridiculous. Uh, so Joao Felix gets subbed on, changes the game, plays really well, scores in the 78th minute, a great goal as well. And it's nice to see him playing well finally, because before he was benched because he wasn't playing very well and he had bad attitude problems, and then he improved that, and he still kept on getting benched, and now everyone's like, what's going on? But uh, but I think he's really fighting for his spot in the team now. Granted, he didn't play particularly well in the Champions League game, but honestly, man, like the team just looks so much better with him with him in it. Like, it is it, it he has to he has to be in, this, in the starting lineup from now on, no matter whether um Simeone likes him or not. Now here's the question: Obviously, Simeone has been in charge for around ten years or so, and so would you say maybe it's his it's reaching the end of his lifeline or lifetime at Atletico Madrid and they kind of really need to go in a different direction. It definitely does look like um, Simone is tactically out of ideas and mentally you can see him on the sidelines. He's just tired. He can't really do it anymore. He, he definitely needs a rest. I don't think he is uh, fit to be uh, coaching Adeli. However, the main problem is who replaces him? There's there's no one better than him on the market right now. You can say Thomas Tuchel, but but he's not. He is a manager who arrives, improves the team for a year and a half, loses the changing room, gets into a fight with, loses gets into a fight with the management and gets and gets sacked, with a, leaving a broken dressing room and bad relations within two years. So I wouldn't want him. I, I don't think anyone would consider him a good option, uh, for any team really. And then there's also Pochettino, but Pochettino is not a special manager by any means. He's not better than Simeone at all. And it's just sort of, you have this thing of no one can really do it better than Simeone doing it badly. So it's just like, there's just no better option. Plus financially, I don't think Aleti can afford to to let him go. It's just very stupid overall. Uh, it's not, but yeah, Simeone can, can hold on, I think, but, but he needs to begin trusting his players a little bit more and especially Joe Felix and all of this. But uh, but we'll, we'll have to see what the future holds, really. But yeah, I, I think overall, Simon is not in the best spot to keep on going. But uh, but yeah, that's that's not a very good outlook for Atletico Madrid. 
Rayo Vallecano, on the other hand, the other, well, actually, the best team in Madrid for one weekend won their game against Real Madrid uh, with, a, with a very, very fun and entertaining game. Five goals, uh, first one scored in the fifth minute by Santi Comesana, just gets the game going right off the bat. Uh, Rayo have had a really good record of, of beating the, the big teams so far. Um, they drew um, away against Atleti, and now they've pulled up a great result against Real Madrid. Luka Modric and Militao did put Real Madrid in the lead in this game, however, uh, scoring two goals in quick succession uh, to make it 2-1 right before halftime. But they didn't make it to the to the whistle because Alvaro Garcia equalized uh, right before that. Then in the 67th minute, uh, Real Madrid conceded the penalty for the second time in the two games, which was converted by Oscar Trejo, and uh, and it uh, and it put uh, Rayo Vallecano in the lead. And now with this, Real Madrid have dropped points two games in a row because of two penalties uh, coming late on well, in the second half of the game. And that kind of begins to ask the question, is, is Real Madrid being too careless at the back? Do they need more discipline? Because it's quite rare to, to see Real Madrid conceding penalties like this. Okay, granted, sometimes it's been because the refs pretend Casemiro is a nice person and doesn't tackle people with two feet, or Ramos either. But now that they're gone, um, and they're still the same refs. We see, we see uh, some more penalties. Granted, uh, last week's one was dubious, but but still, I think there's some more discipline, some more concentration that uh, that needs to go into Real Madrid's defense because they can't keep dropping points uh, because of this sort of situation anymore. But yeah, with that, Real Madrid actually lose top spot, which is quite scary for them. But uh, it should be fine. Barcelona isn't really a quality team, anyways. But they did win uh, their last game, having said that. Uh, as per usual, uh, Barcelona play well against bad teams and are bad against good teams. But they had the, the fortune of playing against uh, a bad team, which is Almeria. Granted, they're not horrendous, but um, they're also nothing special. And so uh, Barcelona put in a pretty good game. Lewandowski did miss a penalty very early on, but uh, that's fine because Dembele plays well against bad teams. And so he scored with an assist by Sergio Busquets, and that was followed up by Frankie de Jong to make it 2-0. Uh, however, the scoreline wasn't the headline of the game, and nor was Barcelona going top spot, which is actually quite impressive, as much as I like to rag on them. But um, what actually really uh, caught people's attention was that Piquet announced his retiring five days before this game. It, was, it came very, very out of nowhere. No one really saw this coming. He just decided, yeah, I don't want to play for Barcelona anymore, and just left basically. So this was his last game. Uh, once again, very abrupt, very unexpected. But, uh, but yeah, w with this, one of one of football's greatest centre backs ever actually uh, leaves the game. And what do you make of that, Jack? What do you, What do you think of this whole situation? I just think it's quite odd, you know, how he just retires in the middle of the season. Not even like. Not even like. He, obviously, he's not going to the World Cup, but like after the the break in between the leagues, or just wait it out until the last game of the season, unless it's just some like other lever that Barcelona pull, so they don't have to pay PK, and then they can sign more people in January. The rest of it just doesn't really make any sense, if I'm being honest. And so there are games in midweek in La Liga. Um, Barcelona play Osasuna Real Madrid play Cadiz 
Mallorca play Atletico Madrid and then Sevilla play Real Sociedad. And that, in fact, is the last games before January. Mm -hmm. Yep, indeed. Um, with this, we, we see the season close off uh, at the end of the year, which is going to be very strange because normally you see teams make it to about 17, uh, 18 games before the season closes off for the year. Uh, but they're only going to go in with 14 games, uh, which is going to mean there's going to be a huge match overload in the second half of the season, which is going to be horrible for everyone. And obviously players are going to play the World Cup and immediately afterwards be back in uh, the whole rhythm of everything. So I think the players are seriously going to struggle with this horrendously scheduled World Cup overall. I think everyone's against it. I think it's a bad idea. Another big problem of the, of the World Cup is that we see because of the, it's in the middle of the season, We've seen many players getting injured already, which just happens normally throughout the season anyways. But, uh, but normally in the World Cup, when you have it uh, during June and July, most seasons end uh, in about, uh, what's it called? Most seasons end in about May. So they have about two months or so to recover. Um, the players who get injured rec return from injury uh, just overall players get less of a less of an overload of games and you see teams really at their full strength uh, just just national teams with their very best players all lined up uh, we see lots of players injured and, and that means that teams aren't going to be at their very best Germany doesn't have a striker right now because of that other than Yusuf and Mukoko which we'll get back to later but uh, but honestly it, it's, it's just going to be boring teams are going to be at their worst no one's really hyped for it people are going to have school work classes I, I have classes during this time of, during this time of year it's like why? Who, whose idea was this? But uh, but yeah, yeah. There's gonna be midweek games in, in the Liga, and uh, hopefully Atleti doesn't cock them up. They're playing Mallorca. It should be fine. I hope. But uh, Barcelona it does have an easy game, so they will win. Real Madrid also have a pretty easy game, and in, if they stay concentrated, they'll win this one as well. So now we'll have a break, and then we'll be back with Syria and the Bundesliga. back to a break we will now look at Syria where we had some two two derbies and uh, the first was the derby d'Italia where we had Juventus play Inter Milan um, and Juventus actually won 2-0 with Andrzej Rabiot and Nicolo Fagioli scoring for Juventus while Philip Kostic also got two assists uh, whereas for Inter it was quite quite poor really and obviously now we we have um, voiced our disapproval of how Juventus are going at the moment, um, especially in the Champions League. But now it kind of begs the question: I like Inter Milan are in a similar position because the only reason we haven't really shitted on Inter Milan to the same extent is because of the fact they qualified out of their group in the Champions League. Um, but obviously in the league, they're performing worse than Juventus now. Yeah, and in fairness, uh, in the Champions League, they weren't super impressive. They did grind out results, but they didn't quite make it. Um, they didn't quite make it like clear. They beat a Barcelona side that wasn't playing super well uh, against them. And, and, and they struggled those games. Uh, one of them, there was some dubious refereeing as well. 
but I think Simone Inzaghi's tactics are just not suited. They're just not very good. And just kind of being carried by good players. And in games like this, you can really tell that um, that they got out-tacticed by Massimiliano Allegri. Like, that's how you know your manager is not good. So yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to see um, how, how Inter Milan are actually struggling, especially compared to last year where they finished second and were dominating. But what's also interesting is the fact that we're now seeing youth um, be played more at Juventus. It's probably because they don't have that many options, but um, obviously Fagioli, who scored for, for Juventus, and Fabio Moretti, who's been playing a lot as of late. They're obviously both young, they came through the academy, and, and obviously this is quite, it's not a Juventus thing to do. They normally just buy a bunch of players and then um, and then use them and don't really um, take a chance on youth. But obviously now now they are. Yep, we're, we're seeing a bit of a change in philosophy from Allegri. I think he's realised that some of his normal first team players aren't putting in the effort that's needed, the energy that's needed uh, to play at a high level. And so that's why he's been giving the younger players more of a chance. We're also seeing the gradual return of Federico Chiesa who obviously has missed quite a lot of the season through injury. There was another derby where we saw Rome play Lazio. Lazio actually won 1-0 you know, with a goal from Felipe Anderson. And obviously this kind of begs the question now. Rome was struggling and they're kind of getting Mourinho'd by everyone else. And obviously their manager is, is Jose Mourinho. They're clearly struggling. They're not able to get the best out of Tammy Abraham, who obviously was a top goal. He obviously was a top goal scorer last season. Um, they've also have Andrea Bellotti, who has been quite um, ineffective since his move from Torino. This Roma team, I think we can obviously say, has promise, and we've seen that, but they're just kind of not living up to it at the moment. Whether that's because they have the wrong manager now, and you already could argue that Jose Mourinho's time has passed, um, but he hasn't really delivered on the promise um, that was that he that he made when he when he arrived uh, at Roma. Yeah, I th I think as much as we love uh, Mourinho and as unique as he is, his his tactics are just outdated. They're just quite outdated. Um, so we're just seeing that now we're seeing how uh, teams get used to him and they learn how to as you said they Mourinho Mourinho they just do what he does but better uh, which is unusual but uh, but in modern football it just happens so I think I th if he retires now he, he won a European competition with Roma it's like his mini last dance That that's the best he can do I think and so it'd be a, a satisfying conclusion to a very good career uh, in, in my opinion then um, Milan beat Spezia 2-1. Um, they stay second in the league. Obviously, what's interesting about this is Giroud scored. Um, he had got a yellow card earlier on in the game. He scored in the 89th minute to win the game and then took his shirt off, proceeded to get a yellow card again and got sent off, um, which is obviously funny. And then Napoli beat Atalanta 2-1 uh, to continue their 
unbeaten run in the league. They're 13 games unbeaten. They're six points ahead of Milan and he's looking quite good for Napoli at this moment. Um, you know, definitely, obviously, there's only one week left or one weekend left and it'll be interesting to see where they are when after that weekend. There are also midweek games in Italy. Napoli play Empoli, Milan play Cremonense, Inter Milan play Bologna and Juventus play Hellas Verona. So now we look at the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich beat Hertha Berlin 3-2. What's interesting about this is the fact that Eric Maxim Tupamoting has continued this run of form. It's probably the most unlikeliest things around. No one can really explain why this is happening or how this is happening. It just kind of is. Um, it's one of the wonders of the world. The fact that Eric Maxim Tupamoting has been able to I score in every single game that he has started in since the international break. It is just such an odd thing to see because obviously he, he's been a backup to Robert Lewandowski the whole time and while well, he was obviously at Bayern. And if he was a quality striker, we would be seeing that during that time. Whereas now he's looking like Robert Lewandowski. And it just kind of makes you think, or well, it doesn't really, it just, it's just such an odd thing because now obviously Chipper Moten's linked to the likes of Manchester United, even though over this brief period of time, even though for the rest of the time, he's been average at best. Uh, I actually think that um, it's, it's entirely thanks to Nagelsmann being an extremely good manager and being able to get the best out of his players. But like realistically speaking, Chipper Moting is still the guy that couldn't do it on a rainy night in Stoke every single week. But um, not that he's a terrible striker, but he's absolutely mediocre, working in a tactical system that greatly, greatly benefits him. So I think once he leaves Bayern Munich, he's going to go back down to being a normal, regular dude again. But but I think it'd be quite funny if, if they could bait Man United into, into buying him. Um... It is also worth noting that Chipper Moting's contract expires at the end of the year, which is a shame. Man United can't buy him unless they buy him in January. Dortmund, they beat Bochum 3-0. Yusuf Makoko scored twice. Obviously, the World Cup is, is fast approaching and Germany lack strikers. Recognised strikers. Obviously, obviously, Timo Werner is injured, as we mentioned previously. And so that there are really only two options for 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 Germany, and that Nicholas Fulkrug, who is a top goal scorer in the league and plays for Werder Bremen, and then there's Yusuf Makoko, who obviously at the beginning of the season was not kind of being used, and Terzic played Anthony Modest, but over time he's kind of shown he's better than Anthony Modest, and obviously we're seeing we're seeing it now. Well, obviously. In the crunch time of, of the problem that will arise is obviously in the crunch time of the of the World Cup where if Germany make it deep into the tournament their striking options are very limited. Obviously you have Kai Havertz who's not really a striker and just hasn't really been performing that well. We obviously have Nicholas Fulkrug who, who's never played for Germany before and this is only like the proper first season where he's really doing it at the top level. 
And then obviously you have 17-year-old from Makoka who has never played to Germany at the senior level as well. So it just kind, kind of begs the question, would you rely on such a thing? Or so, would you rely on a 17-year-old in that type of situation? It's scary, but honestly, what to, to, well, it's, it's scary to think that you might not have another option than Yusufa Makoko, who, as you said, is very young and has zero experience. Uh, playing under the high pressures such as ones you'll encounter the World Cup however he's a very good striker and, and he's shown to first have quality and show up to big games so I think that he could succeed it would certainly be a gamble but I wouldn't write him off on it at all uh, the most surprised result of the weekend was Leverkusen versus Union Berlin obviously by the time this came around on Sunday Union Berlin had been knocked off top spot by Bayern, and then they proceed to lose 5-0 to Bayer Leverkusen. Obviously, Bayer Leverkusen have been terrible um, for, for, for this season. Uh, God knows how they got into the Europa League, but here they are. They just kind of just thrashed Union Berlin. Um, obviously, you could say maybe we're seeing Xavi Alonso's influence finally take hold after it took... As it's taken a long time um, for this to for, for Leverkusen to reach this point or Union Berlin just had another off day because it's well known that Union Berlin have been overperforming for this whole season and that maybe finally they're catching up to them I think in reality though it's probably a mixture of both situations I mean Union Berlin it would be nice to see them win the league but it's not going to happen is it that's all I can say really and because of that, we see Freiburg now going to second. So there is now a new challenger. We have games in midweek. We have Wolfsburg play Dortmund. And then Bayern Munich play Werder Bremen. Obviously, that's a derby in a sense. It's the fact that Werder Bremen used to be, well, technically they still are, a very big team in the context of Germany in the north. It's obviously Bayern a, a big in the south. So it's north versus south. And yeah, uh, that is, we will now have our break and then we'll be back with Liga and the Champions League. From our anthem break, where you just had the PSV anthem. So, Nick, what do you rate that? It's pretty bad. It has no personality. It's boring. Doesn't really sound like a football club's anthem. It does have some energy to it, but I'm giving it a three out of ten. I'll give it a, a, a five out of ten. So now we'll look at Liga. PSG, as always, beat Lorient, who were the surprise team of the of Liga so far. Um, it did require a late 
Danilo Pereira goal um, to win it for PSG. It's also worth noting that uh, Lorient's goalie, who's probably been one of the standout goalies in Liga under season, went off injured in the first half, which obviously would have contributed to this downfall. Marseille beat Lyon in obviously Le Classique. Um, it required a Samuel Gigot uh, goal in the 43rd minute. Um, Lyon are still quite poor so far this season. Um, they don't really look like they're going to improve. Lyon drew 1-1 with Rennes. And then Lons beat Angers 2-1. And that means they are still five points off of PSG. And they are five points ahead of Rennes as well. So now we will look at the Champions League where we had the knockout rounds or the knockout draw. And there are some, all the games apart from RB Leipzig versus Manchester City are pretty even. I think the standout ones are obviously PSG versus Bayern Munich, which is a rematch of the final two years ago, or three years ago, in fact, or by the time it happens, and then Liverpool versus Real Madrid which is obviously a rematch of last season. Yep, indeed. We see we see Liverpool making a habit of getting knocked out by Spanish teams ever since that uh, comeback against Barcelona. Uh, first Atleti, and then Real Madrid, and then Real Madrid. And now it's going to be Real Madrid again. Uh, they just can't seem to be capable of, of playing these teams but because uh, they're just bad. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. But honestly, Liverpool aren't looking very good right now. But there's a long, long time, and we see time and time again that teams are in bad form uh, when the draw is made improve drastically and suddenly become much better by the time that the, um, that the actual game is played. And so the, the very same thing might happen to Liverpool, but it's difficult to see Real Madrid being dethroned from their enormous quality and state of form that they're in at the moment. So I'm seeing this is a very positive and and favourable game towards Real Madrid. And then is, the other one you yeah, mentioned. It is obviously worth noting that these games happen in February. And so by then, Liverpool could be owned by some Dubai consortium and have Kylian Mbappe in their ranks. Well, they could also be owned by Elon Musk, but one never knows, or Jake Paul, but, um, but we'll have to see. And um, then the other game you mentioned, which was uh, Bayern Munich versus PSG, is a, it's a pretty decent game. It uh, should be entertaining. I think we're mostly going to see Galtier getting outclassed by, by Nagelsmann. Is the main thing. Two very tactical system managers with very precise ways of playing and superstar teams except as good as Galtier is there are just levels to this game man like Nagelsmann is different gravy and he, he's just going to show he's just going to show Galtier who the real uh, tactical manager is but obviously once again things can change a lot and I think it's going to be probably the most entertaining game in terms of quality and we've seen how PSG actually do against actual competent teams and Bayern a one of the favourites in this competition would probably be Manchester City and they will PSG will get exposed for what they actually are um, then we have two other even games that are not really AC Milan versus Tottenham we see Antonio Conte back at the San Zero um, obviously Milan have not reached the heights that they did last season and obviously have lost to Chelsea this season as well and Tottenham had just scraped through their group with beating Marseille. So these are two teams who probably aren't actually at their best. Um, but obviously, again, this is February, so a lot could happen. Dortmund versus Chelsea. Chelsea have been quite poor. Um, 
for a while now, whereas Dortmund are just unpredictable as they always are. We have RB Leipzig versus Manchester City. Two plastic teams against each other. Then we have Club Bruges versus Benfica. This is quite an interesting one because obviously Club Bruges surprised everyone with how they came out of their group. Obviously, they haven't actually been performing that well in Belgium. In Be Belgium? Belgium. Um, they surprised everyone. They comfortably beat the likes of Porto and to qualify out of this group. So definitely be interesting to see how they do against Benfica. Then Inter Milano against Porto. It, once again, as we mentioned, Porto did quite well um, to qualify out of this group as well, especially with Atletico Madrid in this, in this group. Um, whereas Inter Milan, as we've mentioned before, had just kind of scraped over the finish line. And obviously the game for me, obviously, is Frankfurt versus Napoli. Napoli are probably one of the most informed teams, if not the most informed team in Europe right now. And then you have Frankfurt, who are basically the underdog in everything. But we've seen what they can do. And especially last year in the Europa League, where they beat the likes of um, Barcelona, West Ham, and, and later Romani Barcelona. They beat the likes of them to make it and win the tournament. And I, I definitely think this is not going to be as outright of Napoli are absolutely going to destroy Frankfurt. I definitely think out of all the teams mentioned, Frankfurt will be the one that surprises everyone because they will beat Napoli and then they'll draw whoever between Inter Milan, Porto, Club Bruges or Benfica and beat them and then they'll, then they'll lose in the semi-final. And you may laugh at me, but we saw what Villarreal could do last season. They obviously beat the likes of Bayern Munich. And they nearly beat Liverpool as well. Jack, please. <laughs> please, Jack. It's true, though. We see what Villarreal did, who won the Europa League last se the year before. They go into the Champions League. Then they beat the likes of Bayern Munich, who, although you could argue they were quite poor, they still managed to beat Bayern Munich. They obviously nearly beat Liverpool as well. So hmm. who says Frankfurt can't do the same thing? Especially with the... I, I could comfortably make the argument that the attack that Frankfurt have is a lot better than the attack that Villarreal had at the time, or still have, in fact. However, Jack, one thing is to compare uh, to compare Napoli and um, sorry, one thing is to compare Villarreal, and one thing is to compare Napoli. Like Napoli is much better than Villarreal, and Villarreal have been pretty damn bad this season. They have not been good at all. And so that's that's not true. They they've been bang average. Napoli are good right now. They're one of the best teams in Europe, and they're only getting better. By the time they play Frankfurt, they're gonna blow them to bits. It's not even gonna be close. It's gonna be like three 0 one leg, three one the the next. It's it's not even gonna be funny. So I beg, I I, I beg that you stop with this nonsense. It's it's just outrageous. We will see who is right in February. I I uh, I, I will be right. Then we also have the Europa League draw, where it produced Barcelona versus Manchester United, which was obviously probably the stand... Bear in mind this is the playoff to get into the, the round of 16. Now obviously, Barcelona play Manchester United, which is obviously by far the standout game. Then we have Ajax versus Union Berlin, Sevilla against PSV Eindhoven, and then Juventus against Nantes. Yep, we're going to see Juventus get embarrassed. They're still going to have... 
uh, Allegri at the head and it's going to go terribly for them. They're going to suck. But uh, but yeah, I I think the the Bayern the fucking Bayern Munich Barcelona versus Man United is going to be a pretty fun game considering um, Barcelona played really well against bad teams and they always have they have a habit of beating United in in European competitions. So it's going to be fun to watch unless you're a United fan. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be great. I I look forward to that game. So that is it for today. Thank you for listening. Please like us, follow, subscribe, and then we'll be back later on in the week yep thank you very much we will see you later bye i almost